of death from which Jesus produces a message of life. As we go through life, we have to adapt to new circumstances. It happens when we change school, when we get married, when we have a new job. We have to cons- or when we're married, we have to consider another person in our de- decisions and in our life. One of the most diffi- difficult changes I remember was when my children started to drive. And you sat in the car next to them, your little Johnny, who you'd seen from a child, sitting in there in this powerful motor. That was a bit scary. It was a strange feeling the first time I was driven by each of our three, but I survived. I had to get used to life being different. Life was quickly changing for the disciples and other followers of Jesus. Every day a new reality was presented before them. Wine runs out at a wedding. You don't go down to the shops for emergency supplies. If Jesus is there, he had different methods. He would change water into wine. Not any wine, but the best wine. Similarly, when challenged to feed a massive crowd of people, he could make a small boy's happy meal, feed the crowds, and not just with enough, but with 12 baskets left over. He also made some challenging I am statements, as we have been seeing in the evenings, often linked to his miracles. After feeding the 5,000, he announced that I am the bread of life. When healing blind men, he announced that I am the light of the world. In this story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead, we see more challenges to his followers, understanding and expectations, as he announces, I am the resurrection and the life. In the story, he seemingly deliberately takes his time to go to his friend, Lazarus, and his two sisters. When told Lazarus was close to death, he actually arrives four days after Lazarus died. He was well and truly dead, as his sister Martha reminds Jesus as she resists the instruction to move the stone to open the grave. She says it will smell from decay of the body. She was still using her pre-Jesus reasoning. In her discussion with Jesus on his arrival, it's clear she could visualise him healing a brother of sickness. She would have seen numerous cases where Jesus touched the sick and they were healed. The lepers, the blind, the deaf, the cripples, the woman with the issue of blood. Martha would have seen him delivering those troubled by demons, even raising two people from the dead. She had seen a lot and had learned that she could expect a lot from Jesus. But death was death, the end, certainly the end to life on earth. Martha actually tells Jesus that she believes God will give you whatever you ask. To which Jesus tells Martha that her brother will rise. She doesn't quite get what he's telling her. In response, she repeats the expression that she would have heard many times from people trying to comfort her. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, trying to put on a brave face, holding back the tears. But she is still thinking about the resurrection on the last day, not resurrection today. He even tells her the miracle he is about to perform, and she doesn't understand. Today we have an advantage as we know how the story moved on. When we hear about resurrection, we automatically visualise Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave on Easter Day. It's easier for us to understand the message. Martha hadn't seen that yet, despite all that she had experienced before. In some ways, she limits her expectations of Jesus' capabilities by her own understanding. Is that something we do when we make requests to God? Sometimes we tell God what we expect him to do. He may have different plans, maybe something we cannot even imagine. Often his his ways are different from ours. Or maybe we ask for small things when he's wanting to give bigger things. Remember the 12 baskets left over. Or maybe Martha has given up hope that Jesus could do anything this this late in in the day. 
after her brother had been dead for four days. Other situations we have given up on and stopped praying. Then comes another of those I am statements from Jesus, with even bolder claims than those before. He tells her and those around, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and those who so ever lives and believes in me will never die. Then having claimed to be the resurrection, he shows how true that was by commanding the dead man to come out of the tomb. Pauline did that very well. And the dead man came out as commanded. Jesus was backing up his I am statement with another miracle. He is the resurrection and the life. So he can raise the dead. He is the Lord of life. What does it mean to us for Jesus to be the resurrection and the life? He goes on to clarify this by, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. The statement that Jesus makes is not just for Lazarus, it's a generous anyone who believes in him, that it's Jesus being the son of God will live, will have eternal life. Now, even Lazarus eventually dies. He certainly isn't around today. So this promise of life must mean something different from physical living forever. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. This is a promise of much more than living in earth forever. Death will come for all of us. No one can escape it. Earlier in John's Gospel, Jesus is reported as saying in John 5 verse 24, well, that worked. Whoever hears my word and believes in me, who sent me, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Now we should be getting excited, especially if we are already living the new life after acknowledging Jesus as Lord and the Son of God. But we are British, um, most of us anyway. And we don't do exciting, especially in church. If, we, if you haven't yet recognised Jesus as, your, as, as the Son of God, this new eternal life is offered to you now, tonight. This is your opportunity to respond to the call to come out of the grave. As Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Let's zoom forward a little while. What a disappointment it must have been for the disciples and followers of Jesus when they saw him crucified and helplessly saw him die. What had been happening for the last three years or so that had inspired them to follow this special man, or so they thought when he, they had witnessed his miracles and teaching, now it was all over. The thrills and excitement of following Jesus were replaced by emptiness and doubt. What had it all been for? What do they do now? Jesus had died. Then on Easter morning, there was another surprise. As said earlier, life with Jesus had been full of surprises. The tomb was empty. His body had gone. Then in the coming days, they met the risen Jesus and their joy and hope returned. They hadn't understood the mission Jesus was on. We have a message that Jesus died for our sins, which is totally correct, but that is only part of the mission of Christ. Okay, he lived a perfect life and did not sin. He was ready to be the scapegoat for the sins of the world. As Paul puts it in Romans 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through the one man and death through sin, that is, through Adam's disobedience to God's instruction not to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge, and as the way death came to, and in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So Adam sinned, and the result of that sin, the punishment of death, was passed down each generation towards us, generation to generation. Then verse 18, consequently, 
just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life to all men. And then verse 19, For just as through one man the many were made sinners, so also through the disobedient, sorry, got it wrong, just rewritten the whole Bible, through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. So Jesus lived a perfect life, full of righteousness, and was the only man in history that was eligible to break the curse of sin. Satan realised this and did his best to tempt Jesus away from the path that God had set for him. When he dies, Jesus paid the price for all the sins ever committed and that ever would be committed. But was that enough? Death would still be victorious over God's son if he stayed in the tomb in death. There were some amazing events that occurred at the time Jesus dies. It was not a normal death. It shook the whole of creation. Luke twenty three forty four. Well, despite it being early in the day, darkness came over the world and the sun stopped shining, almost as if creation itself was mourning the death of Jesus. Then in verse 51, Matthew 27, verse 51, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Matthew says from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, as, as if someone was standing on the ground, but from the top to bottom, which would have been physically impossible. Also, the earth shook and the rocks split open. Again, creation's reaction to the death of its creator. Then a really amazing occurrence. In verse 52, the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, went, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Jesus' resurrection power was already having an influence on death, seemingly overflowing from, those, from his tomb over into the others nearby. But Jesus had more to, more to do than die. Peter, in his famous Holy Spirit address on the day of Pentecost, points out from the Old Testament prophecy in Psalm 16, verse 10, you, that is God, will not, be, not let your Holy One, that's Jesus, see decay. The dead body of Jesus couldn't stay dead. God had other plans. Jesus had himself made several references to his resurrection. John 2, verse 19, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. John 19, verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, I need to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to take it up again. Jesus chose to die out of love for his father, who asked him to do this out of the father's love for us. Then in chapter 11 of John, Verse 25, Jesus makes that remarkable statement to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Promising not only his own resurrection from death, but also those who put, faith, put their faith in him. All that, all that is needed is to believe. Jesus is unique. He has conquered sin. The consequence of it, death. He came, sorry, and the consequence of it, which is death. He can claim to be the resurrection and the life because of, that victory, because of that victory which he wants desperately to share with people on earth. There have been others who have been raised from the dead, even in the Old Testament, and three that Jesus himself raised. But he is unique in that all those who have been resurrected from the dead did eventually physically die, but Jesus hasn't died. He came back from the dead, 
when it was time that he ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for each of us when our time has come. And he has given the promise that he will return for his church. Those who, are, have, those who have put his faith in him, both those physically dead and those believers who are alive at the time. But he doesn't leave us here alone on earth to fight for ourselves until then. He sent his Holy Spirit to help us. So we have the promise of changed lives while we are still on earth. Then the promise of eternal life when, he, when we physically die. Jesus announced that I am the resurrection and life. He then went on to prove it and, other, and others' resurrection life to, uh, offers resurrection life to all. No conditions, no, no, no exemptions, just requirement to believe that he is the Son of God and he died for our sins. Shall we pray? Father God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death. And we thank you for his resurrection. Thank you that offers us eternal life. Help us to live in that life, Lord, both now on earth and later on as we come to you after our physical death. May we feel your blessing. and Just help us to share that life with our friends and family, colleagues and other people around us, Lord. Help us to spread the word. Amen.